You might have prepared for pregnancy, read all the books you could get your hands on about the birth, but how much did you prepare for breastfeeding? I'm Manpreet Pinder, a journalist, a mother, and someone who didn't have the breastfeeding experience that so many of us expect. Then I realized I'm not the only one. In this podcast, we're going to talk about it all, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Welcome to The Next Feed. Hello to you. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome. I'm hoping that we will be the company that you need at whatever stage of breastfeeding you're at. Now, if you've listened before, then firstly, welcome. Thank you for coming back. What did you think of that last episode with comedian Chantal Nash? There's been so much love for that episode. She was so, so lovely to interview. And it's brilliant to hear someone have a really easy journey with feeding. Boy, I wish we could all experience that sort of ease with feeding. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, Secondly, you're in for a treat if you like the second ever episode of The Next Feed. And that's because that very same guest is here again to answer your questions this time. They could be about breastfeeding. They could be about combination feeding. They could be about being an IBCLC. What I thought would be good to do today is a sort of general Q&A. Now, these questions that we're going through today have come through on Facebook and Instagram. And if you don't follow the show already, you can search for the Next Feed podcast and hit follow if you'd like to support what we do here. Now, I will give you our guest details too. But first, I should introduce her really, shouldn't I? Well, I said she's back and that's because you loved her. She knows an incredible amount about breastfeeding. She studied it, she supports it, she's done it herself too. On the show today for a special episode of the podcast where we ask the expert is author of three breastfeeding books and IBCLC, Lucy Ruddle. Welcome. Before I start grilling you Jeremy Paxman style, how are you? How is life generally, family life, your breastfeeding work? It's really busy. Oh my goodness. Um, Yeah. And it's December. So like it's busy and it's Christmas busy, you know, there's nativity plays and presents to buy. um, I've just finished editing my next book. I need to actually now send it to my publisher. That would be a helpful next step for me to take. (laughs) But that's just going to add more to my workload. So I'm kind of holding off from doing that at the moment. yeah apart from that life is you know standard with with two neurodivergent children and a cat and my own neurodivergency so in short chaotic yeah but you know what that's what (laughs) makes it fun right (laughs) I I wouldn't have it any other way genuinely I I love I love the chaos that exists around my world (laughs) it can be utterly exhausting though can't it especially leading up to Christmas do you have that feeling of like deadlines are looming you know for everything it's like you know what are we all going to eat on Christmas Day? All well, the presents, are they going to yeah. be wrapped and ready? Is everyone's clothes, well, have we got something to wear on Christmas Day? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Are, are the clothes going to be clean for us to wear them? <laughs> that's, that's the main question. But it's all become so much bigger because I, I love to do the Christmas Eve boxes with my children where they open up the box on Christmas Eve and they've got a pair of pyjamas and a little hot chocolate and maybe a book to read. And I think that's a really lovely tradition, but it's not one that we had, that I had growing up. So it, although it's lovely it's another thing for me to remember like go and buy the Christmas pajamas for the Christmas Eve boxes and um it's lots of little things like that like we do elf on the shelf as well which I know is like anyone listening to this who has not started elf on the shelf do not do it 
don't do it. Don't do it. it will do it. haunt you <laughs> for the rest of your life. And we don't use it as like a behavior control system. It's just a fun thing. The elves come in and they do silly nonsense. But someone has to think about that silly nonsense to get the elves to do right. And often at eight or nine o'clock at night. And <laughs> don't do it's it. Extra it's admin, because isn't it? You can't stop. <laughs> It is. And you can't just stop doing it. Like people will say, oh, just say that the elves are too busy to come this year or, you know, cook them in the oven or, you know, <laughs> something like that. But you can't because then the kids are so disappointed that the elves aren't coming anymore. So I am stuck with these blimmin' elves for the foreseeable future. So that's my, uh, yeah, never mind the breastfeeding stuff. Um, top tip from me for Christmas, don't start elf on the shelf. Do you know what you say that? And I'm like, oh, I really, part of me wanted to start it because I see all these cute pictures on, online and I think, oh, isn't this just so fun? And I love the one, you know, I've seen the one with like the toothpaste smeared all across the bathroom mirror. And I think oh, I really want to do that for my little boy. Um, everybody I've mentioned it to, they're like, don't do it, don't do it. So now I'm just like, I, I'm not going to. And they've explained why. They've explained exactly what you said. It's the night before, then thinking of what to do. And it's, it's just extra admin on top of everything else. Yeah, it's a really weird place to be. And as the kids get older, they start to remember the stuff that happened the year before. So you can't just do it again because they're like, well, the elves did that last year. And I'm like, oh, oh, I have so many things in my brain. Oh, gosh, I've got that kind of child who would remember as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. Okay, mm -hmm. no elf on the shelf this yeah. year. Not in uh, the Pinder household anyway. Don't, don't, don't do it. <laughs> um. <laughs> What about breastfeeding work? Is that all winding down for Christmas? Do you get a little bit of an opportunity to have a break? Yeah, it's the one time of year where I really prioritise taking a break. The rest of the year I kind of fit in short breaks when and where I can or if I really need to. But I try and take the two weeks of the school holidays off completely because it's Christmas. I get overexcited. Um, my kids get overwhelmed. We, we all need a bit of time just to just to relax and breathe. Um, so I'm actually, today is the last day that I'm doing private practice until January. So I'm going to have three weeks off this year, um, which is weird. I'll be so bored. I won't know what to do with myself. <laughs> you say fancy three weeks off for Christmas. I'll get you. I but you, do work, you work so hard. I can't think of anybody else that would deserve that more. So, you know, I think you've earned the right <laughs> to, to do yeah, that. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I took a proper like, chunk of time off. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I will probably still end up doing something work related because I am me and my brain is my brain but in theory three weeks of no work okay promise me at least the first week you're going to just be like nothing okay <laughs> I don't want to see you touch anything to do with like no paperwork no bricking in consultations nothing give yourself that first week at least um when you were promise. last on the podcast Lucy I had so many people telling me that they loved hearing from you and hearing you speak so passionately about breastfeeding I I think some of them had read your books or they followed you online. So they were kind of, you know, aware of you and how much you know about breastfeeding. But there's something, it, there's, it's just so, so nice, isn't it, to hear from people, even if you do follow their work or if you've read their books, just to hear them speak about the subject that they're so passionate about. Do you get, do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy, you know, actually just being able to have those kind of conversations? It's so nice because... I've just recently started using TikTok as well and trying to post on there. And I find that all the other stuff, you know, Facebook is writing, Instagram is pictures, but TikTok is, you know, really videos. And I find it so much easier to articulate myself when I'm speaking. So it's, it's, it's harder for people to misinterpret me. You can hear the passion in my voice, my tone of voice. There's no kind of nothing lost in the writing, you know, that you get on Facebook and, 
yeah and I love I love also like like this sort of thing with you because you're passionate about it too and we get to just have these really lovely passionate interested discussions uh yeah it's so much fun do you know what we have lots of questions for you which is actually quite surprising bearing in mind um I've been really bad with admin recently and I knew that I had this Q&A booked in with you and I totally failed to put anything up online um, until the last couple of days. So I was worried we weren't going to get many questions, but we did. We've got lots of questions. Um, So if it's okay with you, we will start going through some of those. Yeah, let's do it. So first one, um, Melissa on Instagram, please may you ask Lucy for tips on distracted babies. Interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. Interesting as well, because I don't entirely know what the next bit means, but I'm hoping you do. Um, She says, we're trapped in a reverse cycling loop over here. She's six months old. Reverse cycling loop. I've not heard of that. What does that mean? Oh, reverse cycling is so much fun. She says sarcastically. Reverse cycling is when um, instead of doing most of their feeding during the day and sleeping more at night, babies switch and they reverse that cycle. So they feed more at night and less during the day. And it's linked into that distracted feeding because during the day, and I think um, you mentioned that Melissa's baby is six months old. Yeah. So lots going on in that brain, right? Um, oh, look, there's the cat. Oh, someone's knocked on the door. That light looks pretty. Look at the Christmas tree. Like the baby's just like looking all over the place during the day. So they're not getting... Um, they're not staying at the breast to get a full feed. And then at nighttime, they're, they're making up for those lost calories by feeding more at night. And it is absolutely exhausting. It really is. Oh, we went through this then. I didn't realise that's what it's um, referred to as. But I, I, we had this exact thing. And I think it, it lasted a little while. And, and I can't remember how we ended up getting through it, really. I mean, what would you advise for Melissa? Is there anything that you can do without going to scheduling feedings and that kind of thing that that kind of extreme end is there anything that you could do to maybe you know push the baby to maybe sleep a bit longer at night or or feed a bit more during the day what would you do yeah definitely and it kind of sounds like in your case as well Manpreet there wasn't anything there's nothing that jumps out at you as being the thing that worked and I think that's a really good point because with this sort of situation sometimes it's a case of doing the best that we can with a few tips and tricks until the baby grows out of it so and and it may be that Melissa's little one just stops doing this of their own accord but there are some things that she can try in the meantime um she may already be doing this because it's quite a common suggestion but breast compressions have have you spoken about breast compressions on the podcast before no we haven't actually no so this is something that I think I remember in my own experiences people talking to me about it and um it's really useful to do and know about isn't it yeah it's honestly it it's it's it solves so many problems at so many different stages so a breast compression is when babies latch to the breast and they're feeding and they've kind of gone through most of the feed and you're noticing that they're not really doing much swallowing anymore they're mostly sucking maybe they're falling asleep if you take the heel of your hand or your knuckles and push into your breast tissue and hold it there what that does is it pushes more milk out of your milk ducts and into the baby. So it gets them more milk into them without them having to do a lot of work. And this wakes up sleepy babies. It really helps slow weight gain. And it can be helpful for distractible babies because you're literally going, okay, you're only spending five minutes at the breast. Let's get more milk into you in those five minutes by pushing into my breast tissue and just kind of forcing that milk out. So that's my first tip um, is breast compressions. Absolutely. What else would you um, suggest maybe looking at in terms of, I'm thinking, 
what you might do during the day with your baby? Is there anything that you can um, change to, I don't know, like, I don't know, I don't know, more outside time or more things? I don't know, I don't know. Is there anything? I'm just thinking, you know, people always say, go for a walk in the park, that'll solve everything. Yeah, go outside. (laughs) Outdoors solves most things until it's December in the UK and then it's like, no, don't go outside. (laughs) Stay in the wall. It's really hard because, um, you know, at, at six months in you're probably still on maternity leave in the UK. You're probably spending quite a lot of time at home with your baby. Um, one suggestion that often comes up is to feed baby in a dark room. But we have to remember that breastfeeding has to work for the parent as well as the baby. If you've got a toddler running around as well as a baby, it's not convenient to go to a dark room to breastfeed. If you're just bored out of your brain, it's not convenient to go to a dark room to breastfeed. If you're trying to ha- live a life and get out and do things, it's not convenient. So Yes, the suggestion of going somewhere quiet and boring to feed is there and it can work in some circumstances. But I'm always reluctant to make that my first suggestion because I think it involves like having to really move your life around breastfeeding. And I want breastfeeding to be easy for people, not this big kind of chore. Um, having said that, um, breastfeeding necklaces or bracelets that parents can wear that are made of um what are they made of? It's like a soft plasticky stuff. I want to say silicone, but I don't think it is silicone. What am I thinking? I about? wanted to say silicone too. Yeah. What is it? I, Maybe it yeah, is. I don't know. Anyway, you know, the soft plasticky stuff that's safe for babies that yeah. we can kind of get because the baby will often hold on to it. Um, and that means they're distracted by the bracelet or the necklace. They're looking at it while feeding and that will help them stay at the breast. Also doing things like holding their hand, doing finger rhymes with them. You know, this is the piggy went to market. Um, singing to them, making eye contact with them just so that they they are distracted by you and your face looking down at them rather than something that's happening on the other side of the room. Um, but often it is a case of like squeezing as much milk into them as possible and waiting for this really annoying face to pass. Yeah, because it, it, it can be really, really annoying, especially if you've had a first few weeks that have been really difficult and tiring. You kind of feel like when you get to six months, I deserve to have a little bit of <laughs> sleep or a bit of an easier yes. time. Um, so it's hard, isn't it? It's hard for, for Melissa and anyone else going it's through really that. really hard. Yeah, my, my heart goes out to you. I remember the face of both my boys and it's rough. <laughs> yeah. is, is, there, is there anything else that Melissa can can maybe do um think yeah there's a couple of other things so switch nursing or switch feeding which is where we switch sides more frequently so as soon as baby starts to look like they might be losing interest in the breast put them on the other breast and then just kind of keep repeating that it keeps them interested because you're moving them so they're getting a different view of the world but also they're getting the fastest flowing milk each time you switch them they're going to get another letdown so that can hold their interest too and the other thing is if you're not already doing it Melissa you might already be doing this one but try and just offer the breast more often Um, Even if baby only goes to the breast for two or three minutes, if that's happening 10 times a day rather than eight times a day, there's going to be a little bit more milk that's going in. And that might therefore lead to hopefully less wake ups overnight because a bit more milk has gone in during the day. Interesting. I'm thinking and obviously I'm not an IBCLC, but I'm just wondering, is there anything to say that? I mean, if you're feeling really tired from what's going on at night, that's obviously one thing. and, and, And that's something where then, okay, let's try some of the things that you suggested there. But do you think there are some people, and I think I felt I fell into this category around that sort of six, six months mark, which was, okay, this is just the way it is. And I relaxed into it. And when I relaxed into it, 
And I'm not saying this is going to work for Melissa or anybody else, but I definitely found that I was a little less tired and I was a bit more like, well, actually, when I wake up in the morning, I might not be so alert or we might wake up a bit later and that's okay. I kind of, I don't need to, my morning doesn't need to be the same. When I accepted that and I was like, well, the house is just going to be messy because we've had one of those nights again where he's on off, on off the boob. And I am really tired and I just, I just stay in my pajamas. <laughs> yes, I sometimes you stay yes. in my pajamas for like 48 hours. It's the same bear, I'll admit it, um, on this podcast. So but good. you know, like, well, who did I need to have a shower for? <laughs> no one was coming over. Exactly. The baby doesn't care, you know, it's all good. Um, absolutely. It, and it, it takes a bit of, um, it's a bit of a mindset shift that can be hard to get into. But most of the time, if it's not, kind of having a huge negative impact on your life you're not really anxious about it you're not really depressed you're not really exhausted baby's fine actually embracing whatever the situation is and saying okay this is a phase right now we're gonna just go with this for as long as it takes that mindset shift means that we relax and when we relax um it helps our oxytocin which can help our milk to flow faster which can help baby to be happier at the breast and we often see that things just improve when we can get to that place of acceptance i say that as somebody with raging adhd who's incredibly impatient and i find getting to that place very hard so i don't want anyone to think i'm saying oh just accept it it's fine it's really hard to just accept it um i want to really kind of make sure that people understand that I'm not saying it's easy or even that I could do it all the time but if you can get to a place of acceptance it can be very very helpful yeah absolutely and I will say that for me it was yeah it was it was quite late on it was around that kind of six and a half months type of age I think where I and I didn't yeah. fully accept it but I was definitely a little bit more like well this is you know kind of the way it is um but I also did have uh the the privilege as we know especially uh, not just in the UK, but when we look at maternity leave around the world, I was on maternity leave for 13 months. I got to enjoy at home and the pressure was off. So, um, yeah, there are so many factors, aren't there, to, to think about. Um, should we go on to the next question? So this one, yeah, we're going to say it. it's from Anonymous. Uh, this message came in in an email and it says, um, how do I overcome my fear of breastfeeding? I'm in my third trimester. Ever since I can remember, people have told me horror stories about trying to breastfeed. This has come from friends and family members, even my own mother, who told me her nipple almost fell off uh, when she tried to breastfeed me. She wasn't joking. Um, I know there are pros of breastfeeding, so I'd really like to try it. I also don't want to increase the amount of waste I produce. So they said here in brackets, so definitely don't want to buy formula partner and I have spent the last five years reducing our carbon footprint oh my goodness I mean first of all um I just want to share an anecdote really quickly um when I was doing my revision to, to take my exam to become an IBCLC I would go and sit in coffee shops and you know it was pre-covid and I would just kind of sit there and you know my kids would be in daycare and I would just zone in for an hour and we had this book <laughs> called the breastfeeding atlas and it's filled with pictures so you know you have pictures of babies breastfeeding of breasts of milk all different things and one of the sections is about nipple trauma and breast damage and I'm sat there and you know the guy's bringing over my coffee and I've got this book open on this page of like the world's most mankiest nipples you've ever seen like chunks missing holes in them and this poor guy he <laughs> I think he must have been like his weekend or after school job he was only about 16 um you know you know what teenage boys are like so he brings over my coffee 
and I just watched his face go bright red and then pale as he kind of clocked what he was seeing and then kind oh of gosh. clocked even more what he was seeing and he kind of hurried away with his head down and I just it took that for me to go I shouldn't be sat in public looking at these pictures <laughs> this oh isn't gosh. the best place for this sorry guy so yeah whoever that man is I'm, I'm very sorry <laughs> it, I hope I didn't traumatize him for life <laughs> but um having said that given that awful story when we're talking about somebody who's worried about breastfeeding um actually that level of damage is rare which is why it does end up in the books because it, we're not seeing that level of damage every day my top tip for this just to get straight to the point is that you don't have to breastfeed um and you can take breastfeeding one feed at a time. So one thing I often say to people who aren't sure about this is, let's just see how the first breastfeed feels. And if you want to breastfeed after the first breastfeed, let's do the second breastfeed. And if that still feels okay, let's do a third one. I've supported quite a few people at this point who, who take that approach. And in the first few weeks, they, they do often give a little bit of formula. And I think that is almost um, reassuring for them. I think it reminds them that they're making a choice and they can switch at any point. But if we kind of take that pressure off and just say, let's, okay, let's do one feed at a time and see how this feels. My experience and the experience of the people I've worked with and the people who um, gave me quotes for the mixed up book about combination feeding, they often found that when the pressure was taken off and exclusive breastfeeding wasn't the one and only goal, their feeling was that they gave more breast milk for longer than when they were told you have to breastfeed or you have to formula feed, there's no middle ground. Do you think that there's a responsibility some of us have sometimes about how much we, I don't know, tell tell other people about breastfeeding? Because we don't want to hide what we're going through, right? We should talk about it openly, but is there a responsibility we have to talk about it's, how we talk about it? It's a really tricky one, isn't it? And it reminds me often of birth stories, you know, um, when you're pregnant and everyone suddenly tells you about, you know, have they lost, you know, all of their blood and yeah. <laughs> have to be in intensive care for, you know, weeks at a time. And that isn't always the best time to share that story. Um, but it does, you know, the hearing those stories throughout our lives does impact how we view birth. And then we see it on television as very medicalized and often as first time parents, we go into the NHS system or the maternity system expecting to be in hospital expecting to give birth on our backs and all that sort of stuff and I think breastfeeding does suffer a little bit from the same stigma you know it's hard it's difficult it's going to hurt you're gonna not have enough milk you're gonna need to give formula um but I think there's a bigger issue here which is that people are often so traumatized by their breastfeeding experience particularly from you know 10 15 20 30 years ago when the support was far less than it is now they never had the opportunity to really debrief on their experience and come to terms with it. So they start sharing it anecdotally with their friends and you're listening to it as a child. And I think now this, the landscape is, is looking better. For example, breastfeeding debriefs are a thing. So if you're having the need to tell everybody about how awful your breastfeeding experience was, maybe find a space to do that with somebody who can guide you through a more kind of structured way to do that. It might help to release those feelings. Um, but also breastfeeding support itself is better. So my hope is that less mums, less of our peers are sharing these stories with us now that we're adults, because it certainly seems that for a lot of people, they are having a generally better breastfeeding experience than they were having a few years ago. We will have to wait for the next infant feeding survey to come out to confirm that. But my 
my feeling is that things have improved over the last, certainly since COVID, I think. We should talk about it and do a whole episode on breastfeeding debriefs um, because I think there's a lot to talk about there, isn't there? As well, as well Lucy, you're nodding away. Um, yeah, there's a there's a there's power <laughs> in breastfeeding debriefs. Um, and you there's do so too. much there. Oh, on this subject, yeah, I can do. I just say I really like your uh, your your new website. It's lovely. Oh, thank you. My VA Danny did that for me. Um, the old one was a little bit tricky to navigate at times, and Danny was like, "I'm doing this for you," and I was like, "Come on, do it." And I'm like, "Oh wow, it's lovely. Amazing. She's so talented." It's like it's. It feels like you know when you unwrap a present, and it's lovely and seamless to to move around as well. Yeah, I have to. I have to. I had to say something about the website because I was thinking about it last night. I was like, "It's a really nice website." Um, I will let and Danny know. I should be pleased to hear that <laughs> yeah no do pass that on and also if anybody is interested in finding out about more about breastfeeding debriefs you do offer that too and it's all on your website and we'll put the link and in the show notes I offer it and lots of other IBCLCs offer it as well so you know it's, it's if you have a already have a relationship with an IBCLC um they will nearly always offer you a debrief yeah um so next question um please please can you tell me about some of the great things boobing it is doing 12 weeks in and finding it so tough um, so tired. Don't remember it being like this with the first. I need remind. Oh, I like this question. I need reminding why breast milk is good for babies. I think that the person who wrote this question is just wanting that. You know, like when you feed your baby, you just think, oh, this is all like lots of goodness going into you and and lots of antibodies. I think they need that kind of like pep talk. Can you yes, be their cheerleader? Lucy? I think so. Yeah, twelve weeks in as well. Like that. Oh my goodness, that's. You know, you've done three months and the novelty's worn off. A lot of the support's disappeared. Life's kind of returned to whatever normal looks like for most people around you. And you're kind of, but also, I remember for both of my boys at three months, they weren't super interesting yet either. It was still quite hard work. There was still a lot of giving a lot and not getting a lot in return. And I remember because I was having to pump for both of my boys. I almost at three months felt like I could just go back to work right now, leave them in a nursery and just pump for them while I'm at work. I'd, I'd get more fun out of this. Um, but then you get to four, five, six months and you don't want to go back to work because there's so much more fun because they're rolling and they're babbling and they're playing with you. Yeah. And so the first thing is like, this is definitely a phase. I don't know if that's one that you resonate with. Did you go through? Yes. A oh, gosh. Things? Yeah. Nodding away. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's rough. It's really rough. I was reading something the other day, um, Lucy, and it was about, um, oh, what was it? It was something to do with how breast milk has so much power. It's so good in the first few weeks of a baby's life because of all the kind of the coating of the like sort of digestive system and the intestines and everything. And it's it's like it's magic. It was designed for your baby. It's it's providing a protective layer. And it's something, is it, is it, and there's a link there then about sort of whether your child might have allergies in the future. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's really good for that reason. I'm not using very scientific words here, but there was something, uh, (laughs) tell me I'm I'm onto something. I I often say, I know it's science, but it really feels like magic. Like the stuff that our bodies and our milk and our babies do when they work together. So what you're kind of talking about there is how, um, the ingredients in breast milk coat the gastrointestinal tract. That's a mouthful to say on, say on a Friday afternoon. Well, um, and that stops certain proteins and bacteria getting inside the, the tract where it can kind of cause problems for the baby. So um, it stops um, problems such as uh, like dairy, 
maybe getting in as much, which is why babies who are breastfed, even if their mum's eating a lot of dairy, dairy does pass into breast milk. Uh, but those babies are less likely to show symptoms of a dairy allergy than babies who are formula fed because the breast milk is coating the intestinal tract mm. and kind of preventing those proteins getting further into the baby's system. The other thing it does, though, is it can stop certain bacteria passing through. So um, at the moment, my youngest school is on the verge of closing early because of a stomach bug um, for the Christmas holidays. They have this most awful tummy virus doing the rounds. And I kind of wish that I was still breastfeeding. I mean, he's eight. It wouldn't be, you know, it would be bordering on a little bit unacceptable in yeah. society, I think, at that age. But I, I know you, I know I you wrote a book ne- about relaxation, but yeah, I don't think it's a I'll have you pushing it with an eight-year-old. Also, I'm just, in, he's a very cool little eight-year-old and he, he's not too impressed by breastfeeding. I'm kind of yeah. imagining the horror if I'm like, now, come on, darling, have some of mummy's milk. Um, but one of the things that human milk can do is it can reduce the risk of stomach viruses, um, partly because of the way it protects the, the gastrointestinal tract and also because the immunological, the, um, the immunological, the antibodies the antibodies Antibodies. to the virus if you've been exposed to that virus in the kind of just breathing it in um, your body's going to create antibodies to that virus which is going to be present in your milk so it's going to reduce the chance of your baby getting a tummy bug and if they do get that tummy bug it's likely that the symptoms will be less severe and that it will be over faster that's a lot of words for Friday afternoon (laughs) but they're good words and that just makes feel a bit happier doesn't it about what you're doing which is sometimes what we need it's like doing anything right like you don't always want to go to work when sometimes you go to work and you're like I love this this is yeah. great yeah. I mean <laughs> I do love my mortgage. job <laughs> yeah. I love my job but I do have moments where I think oh well, I could just give this up you know what am I doing this for exactly. and then I have fun um and the other exactly. thing I want to say because um we can often get very caught up on health benefits and all that sort of stuff but actually breastfeeding is so much more than health benefits and Babies like breastfeeding. They like the closeness of being skin to skin with their mum. Every time you breastfeed your baby, you are having some degree of a skin to skin experience, even if it's just cheek to breast. When you're bottle feeding, you don't get that as much. And babies, you know, they really like to be here. Um, It's also a tool for Mm. solving almost any problem your baby has. If they're a bit fussy, breastfeed them and when they get a little bit older and they're falling over and they're exploring the world and they're needing to check in with you and they're not sleeping breastfeeding will fix all of that um so it's not just about you know antibodies and immunological benefits and nutrition it can be really helpful for mums and for babies as well just in general and your child if you breastfeed um up until the point where they're sort of talking maybe and they might come out with things like mommy is there a cow in there is there a cow in there? That's what my son said to me. How, where does Amazing. the milk come from? Is there a cow in there? Is wow. there and I said, okay, well, if there's a cow in there, I don't understand. Why would, how would the milk be coming out though? Um, and he said, well, mummy, there's a drum in there and the cow is banging the drum and that's pushing the milk out. I was like, look, that is just... That's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to have to remember you said that when you're older. I love that's it. That's incredible. There needs to be an artwork of that. <laughs> I want to see that as a one of those AI images of it. Yes. <laughs> a cow inside a breast. I love it. Banging a drum so the milk comes out of the mum's breast. I loved it. But then I thought, it's my body that's working really hard. The, a cow has nothing to do with it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give the cow credit. <laughs> Um, I don't know how many t- how, for how much time we've got for more questions. Okay, okay. right, let's ask this one. Um, and then we'll go on to a quick uh, couple of ones that are a bit more about um, mm-hmm. you and your work. So this one says, 
Um, Lucy asks, I'm really curious to know if breastfeeding can make you unwell. It feels like my 12 month is sucking the life out of me right now. I have lots of vitamin deficiencies, which the GP said aren't a result of breastfeeding, but I wonder if there are any links. I was told to take certain supplements during pregnancy, but feel there is such little guidance on this for breastfeeding parents. Yeah, Um, the doctor's on the right track. Generally speaking, um, breastfeeding doesn't cause deficiencies, but there are two vitamins that we do have evidence that may be impacted. So vitamin B12, um, you need to have a good store of vitamin B12 to pass it on to your baby and your body will take your vitamin B12 um, in order to give it to the baby. And we know that a B12 deficiency can cause tiredness. Um, so it sounds like maybe for this person that's worth checking out. And the other one is vitamin D. Um, some of the most up-to-date research has shown that parents who are breastfeeding are more likely to have a vitamin D deficiency. And um, also if this person lives in the United Kingdom, I'm looking out my window, it's half past one, it's getting, mm. you know, it's heading towards being dark here right now. There's not a lot of sunshine. And the guidance in the UK is that everybody should be taking vitamin D, adults, babies, children. Um, so that might be worth looking into as well. So yes, the vitamin B12 and the vitamin D may be caused or ex- exacerbated, what's the word I want? Made worse by, by breastfeeding. Uh, um, not exacerbated that's the one I can never quite say it I always want to say exacerbated yeah exaggerated but everything else unlikely um however you are using a lot of energy when you breastfeed you're using so much energy um it's it's like working a second job you're using extra calories you're using more energy to breastfeed than your brain is using to function like it makes sense to me that if you were doing that for a year and you're a bit deficient in your vitamins and it's winter and your baby's still waking up two or three times a night, you may well really feel exhausted by breastfeeding. And I don't, you know, I never want to kind of give a, uh, it's really hard because I want to be very positive about breastfeeding. So it's amazing, but also there are issues that can come up. And for some people, tiredness is a real thing that they experience. And I don't think it should be dismissed or downplayed. It's, it's a horrible experience to go through. Um, and vitamin D is a really good point as well. Yeah, because we do forget yeah, about definitely. the vitamin D. Um, gets spoken about at the beginning, doesn't it, in the first few weeks, and then it kind of, and then people forget never mentioned about it. again. Um, yeah, I want absolutely to, exactly. Yeah. Well, we all know that you're on your own now. <laughs> You've had your six weeks. Yeah, okay. Fine. Um, Hannah, on face. <laughs> I, do you know what, I think I need to give my I need to give my office uh, the office back to my husband so he might come in with my toddler okay. in a minute so I'm going to be really quick but we might have um, my almost three year old barge in and ask for booby so I'll be really okay. quick Hannah on Facebook no yeah we're going to I haven't I haven't breastfed whilst hosting this podcast yet it's kind of crazy isn't it well we, we, if, we must be due for that <laughs> Yeah, I should totally do it. Um, we're trying to normalise breastfeeding here. Hannah on Facebook asks if there is one thing you could magically change about the current breastfeeding support scene. Um, what would that be? Yes. So I attended a conference uh, earlier on this year from Lactation Consultants of Great Britain, and they had an amazing speaker called Louise Oliver, who um, I want to make sure I use the right words. I think the wording is, I might have to say that she's a woman of colour or she's a black woman. I'm not sure what is correct there. Um, it seems different things. But her speech was so important and so powerful. And the message was, we have a real lack of diversity in infant feeding support because in order to be able to volunteer 
and go on to become an IBCLC, you have a level of privilege as a white, normally as a white woman, um, mm. because you, you are probably not living in poverty. You can probably take the time off from work. You can probably put some of that stuff on your credit card to pay for it. Um, and it really brought home that there are very, very few women of colour um, working and volunteering in the UK in breastfeeding support, which means that mothers um, who are black or women of colour are not getting the support that's tailored to them and their individual needs and their own cultural background and historical background. It's a really big issue. It's not really my place to get into too much depth about because I am a white woman, you know, you know, I'm fairly privileged. Um, but it is really, really important. And the lack of diversity in infant feeding in the United Kingdom is is a big problem that we don't talk about anywhere near enough. Um, can we very I do think he's going to run in in a minute um, Isabel asks <laughs> You're like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like half trying to get like my I've got a vest top I'm doing that vest top and jumper trick Look, I've got a vest top and a jumper <laughs> um, you might come in getting ready yeah. Isabel asks what do you love about being an IBCLC I love so often when I go in to support people they're in so much pain. I don't love that bit. That's horrible when they're in pain. But often it's a very simple fix. And I'm sat in someone's living room. They've, they've taken the time and they've trusted me with their experience. They've welcomed me into that newborn kind of sacred space almost. They've been very vulnerable with me. And I've said, let's do this, let's do this, and let's do that. And you see the whole body just go, oh, as they realize it doesn't hurt anymore. And like their shoulders come down and their face changes. And I swear you can feel the oxytocin in the room in that moment as they have this pain-free feed or nearly pain-free feed for the first time in three days, three weeks, three months sometimes. And that is just so special. And it feels like such a privilege to be able to witness that and facilitate that. And, and then they can pass that on to other people in their community. They can say, oh, the IBCLC showed me this trick. And then it works for their friends. And then they come back to you two years later and they say, I'm still breastfeeding and I'm a peer supporter now. And it's like, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's what I love about being an IBCLC. All of that magical booby baby stuff. Um, oh, it's been so nice, Lucy, talking to you. I feel really sad now that um, too, I haven't been able to, to do the breastfeed as promised. Cause you know what a difficult journey I've had to get here. <laughs> almost three years absolutely I promise you I do here we go is he coming in oh is he gonna do it (laughs) is he gonna perform on cue for us (laughs) it was a Q and a with you Lucy Ruddle but I think it might be with my (laughs) yay you can come in you can come in do you want to show Lucy your Rudolph um jumper I'd love to see hi is that Rudolph on your jumper does it Oh my goodness. I want one. Do they make them in grown up sizes? Yeah. Oh, oh, they don't make them in... <laughs> Should we do you think we should look? Oh, Just in case. Mummy's like one too. Um, <laughs> we've been talking about breastfeeding. You know when that I breastfeed you, where does the milk come from? How does the milk come out? I need for V. Yeah, it's in my booby, but how does it come out? Did you tell me that there was a cow in there once? Yeah, there was there was a, there was a door there, oh, and door. the milk, I opened the milk, it went into the room. Oh, do you mean you opened the door? There's a door in there, you opened the door and then the milk went into my booby. Yeah, there I do. I think that this is where the, the Q&A has naturally come to an end. It has been amazing. Thank <laughs> I've you been, so this much. Is, this was, um, I think, a really good session, and uh, we should definitely do it again at some point would you up for it yes please i would definitely be up for it absolutely brilliant
Well, I hope you have a great Christmas. You too. And have a I'm good sure one. we'll end. Yeah, and I'm sure that we'll end up with loads of questions for you next time. And he's taken my mouse, so I don't know how to end the. Anything? <laughs> it's a Bluetooth mouse. It's across the other room. Just delete the whole podcast. <laughs> oh, don't. Oh no. Okay, I'm going to quickly press stop. Uh, well, Mateo, no, no, no. Hold on. Please stop. 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 Thank you for joining us for the very first ever Q&A that we've done on the Next Feed podcast. We hope to do a lot more in the future. My thanks to Lucy Ruddle, IBCLC, breastfeeding counsellor, holistic sleep coach. She's author of lots of books as well. Uh, Mixed Up, Combination Feeding by Choice or Necessity. Relactation, A Guide to Rebuilding Your Milk Supply. And she has written Breastfeeding Myths, Busting the Misinformation, Harming You, Your Baby and Society. I'll pop all the details in the show notes along with how you can find out more about Lucy's work. If you enjoyed today's episode, can I be cheeky and ask that you rate or review us wherever you listen to your podcasts? Uh, Just if you've got time, it's always nice to know that people are listening. Um, Thank you so much for your company today. We will be back with another episode very soon and it will be with Joanna Wolfar, who's the author of Milk, an intimate history of breastfeeding. But I am going to have to go now. So I will say bye because I have got a toddler trying to get back into the room. (laughs) Speak to you next time. Bye. Bye.